0: And welcome back to the model shop podcast my name is fio and i'll be your host as we explore the early days of walt disney imagineering we'll get to know some incredible people experience extinct attractions and always on the lookout for some extra pixie dust halloween has come and gone which means that having been freed from the haunted mansion it's time to resume our exploration of walt disney world from walt's perspective when we left off we had just explored epcot a park with one of the more obvious ties to Disney history and to Walt himself, but I think it's time to hop on over to Hollywood Studios to see what we can discover there. We're going to be spending most of our time in this park on Sunset Boulevard, which is named after a real street in Los Angeles. I think that Walt would have loved to have the opportunity to experience California the way it was when he first moved there, and I think he might be even more excited that guests would get to experience it as well. It's very fitting that in the original Disneyland, Walt welcomes each guest with a look into his cherished childhood home, Marceline, Missouri, which inspired Main Street, USA, and here we're welcomed into his home as an adult, which wasn't history when Disneyland was first being built, but certainly has a role to play in history now. I also think that Walt would be absolutely delighted by the open-air theatre dedicated entirely to Phantasmic. In its earliest days, Disneyland actually did have an outdoor theater in the extinct holiday land, but it clearly didn't last, despite Walt's strong desire to involve live performances in his park. The fact that this park has a massive outdoor theater, especially one that displays a story of Mickey Mouse as the hero he is, saving everyone with the power of his positivity and dreams, is very fitting in fulfilling a goal that eluded Walt in his original park. Actually, in all of Hollywood Studios, the focus on live entertainment is something that that Walt definitely would have been very passionate about. There are so many amazing shows in this park outside of just what we think of as more traditional attractions like roller coasters and what would be called rides in other parks. So having experienced Walt's past and his unfulfilled dreams in Hollywood Studios, Let's move on to the last of the Disney World parks. Even though Animal Kingdom opened the longest after Walt's passing, it actually has one of the most direct connections to him. In fact, of all of the parks in Disney World, this is the one that I can most imagine Walt would have added if he would have had more time. It might not seem obvious at first, but let's look into some history to get a sense of why I wholeheartedly believe this. It all begins when Walt had an idea. This one, specifically, was an idea to branch out and try something completely new. Actually, I guess that doesn't really narrow it down anymore at all, does it? This particular idea, though, was for his first series of true-life adventures, nature documentaries that were pioneers in their style. Made between 1948 and 1960, these films covered a large variety of animal subjects, from The Living Desert and The Vanishing Prairie, which were both filmed in the United States, to the African Lion and the Jungle Cat, which took place in Africa and Asia, respectively. In all of these films, Walt hoped to teach viewers about a different kind of magic than we usually associate with Disney, the magic of the natural world. It's well known that this goal carried over into Disneyland in the form of, of course, Adventureland, but I think that he would be absolutely thrilled with the Kilimanjaro Safaris. You see, he had originally dreamed of having real animals in the Jungle Cruise for guests to be able to see, but that, obviously, didn't work out. Actually, the Kilimanjaro Safaris are similar to Walt's original version for the Jungle Cruise in many ways. In addition to imagining the real animals, he also envisioned an educational script that would teach guests about these jungle animals as they were seeing them. Though the pun-filled Jungle Cruise is an obvious classic, Walt would definitely appreciate the more educational nature of the safaris. Another element of Animal Kingdom, and actually of all of Disney World, that Walt would have been excited about is their dedication to environmental conservation. In his original plan for EPCOT, Walt had a clear focus on environmental initiatives. He wanted his prototype community to demonstrate new ways of living more sustainably, from including many sites of interaction with nature for his residents, to completely replacing cars with entirely electric transportation alternatives. As a side note, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I definitely recommend that you check out my episode about Walt's original plans for Epcot. It's one of my favorite episodes that I've ever made and I think it really shows something interesting about Walt's goals for Disney World as a whole. Anyway, it's clear that Walt was thinking about the importance of sustainability earlier than a lot of people, and when he was planning for the Florida Project, he was very clear that he wanted it to contribute to society and to the planet in a very concrete way. Though the reality looks a bit different than a city covered by a dome, which is probably for the best, especially in terms of the environmental conservation part, his dream was certainly realized. Disney has a strong commitment to sustainability both in the direct operation of their parks and in other initiatives, many of which you can see in action in Animal Kingdom. The Disney Conservation Fund promotes the protection of endangered species. Just the sheer existence of this place meant to celebrate nature as something magical and full of wonder while prioritizing education has the potential to be completely transformative in shaping how people see, and therefore how they treat, the world around them. From this perspective, Animal Kingdom is actually the park that fulfills the fantasy Walt had for a park that was more than just a theme park. And I think he'd be very happy indeed to have the chance to explore it and to see the ripples that it has created throughout the world. So we've made our way through all four parks now, but every Disney fan knows That, especially when it comes to Disney World, it's always best to stay in the magic by spending your nights at one of the many hotels. Walt, interestingly, never actually got the opportunity to see his own Disney hotel. The original Disneyland hotel was owned and operated by an outside party purely because, at that time, the Disney company didn't have the money to build a park and a hotel, and it's pretty obvious which one they chose but we do know that he did have plans for the first few hotels and that he had an overarching vision. Each Disney hotel would transport guests to a completely different place, almost acting as another land in a much larger magic kingdom. And true to that vision, the Disney World resorts are attractions in their own right. And I can just imagine... While walking around Saratoga Springs, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Port Orleans, Wilderness Lodge, or Old Key West making sure that every detail is just right to transport people to countless dream destinations all around the world, all in his own world, I'd guess with some certainty that he'd find himself getting a little lost in the magic himself sometimes. All in all, Walt Disney World is certainly different than it would have been if Walt would have been able to make more decisions directly, but his influence certainly hasn't been lost or forgotten by any means. His perspective, values, and aspirations shine clearly all throughout the most magical place on earth, making it definitively his and definitively a part of the old Disney history that we all know and love so much, despite the fact that he was never able to see it built. It feels strange that we're just now getting to this after two years, but if you want to thank Mr. Walt Disney, you have lots of options to choose from. Both Walt Disney World and Disneyland have a window commemorating Walt. Their beginnings differ, open since 55 and open since since 71, respectively, but they both read Disneyland or Magic Kingdom, casting agency. It takes people to make the dream a reality. Walter Elias Disney, Founder and Director, Emeritus. But there are also other places in each respective park. In Walt Disney World, Walt has another window above the train station, reading, Walt Disney World Railroad Office, Keeping Dreams on Track, Walter E. Disney, Chief Engineer. I find this one particularly fitting because we've seen that many Imagineers' windows place them in this fictional Main Street society based on their hobbies, and Walt certainly would have been happy to take on a fictional role as a train engineer. If you're in Disneyland, you have something that might be just a bit better than a window, a lamp in a window. In all seriousness though, the lamp above the fire station on Main Street in Disneyland is in Walt Disney's private apartment and it's always lit to signify his continued legacy and presence in his original park. For some pixie dust today, because this episode hasn't made me painfully nostalgic enough, I highly, highly recommend that everyone watch Once Upon a Studio, the new 100th anniversary animated short on Disney+, Plus. if you haven't yet. It is such a beautiful ode to Walt Disney Animation. I laughed and I cried multiple times, all in the span of just a few minutes, and then I watched it again and laughed and cried again. So if you haven't seen it yet, or even if you have, here's an invitation to see it again. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Model Shop Podcast. Just as a heads up for any new listeners, after this episode and the next one, the Model Shop is going to be going full holiday mode, so keep an eye out here and on my Instagram for some Disney holiday cheer, and I will see you all real soon.